Welcome to California Highways Route by Route. This podcast explores everything about the numbered highways in California, from Route 1 along the coast to US 395 along the Sierras, from Route 8 in the south to Route 139 in the north. Brought to you by the California Highways webpage in Gribble Nation. I'm Daniel Fagan. I do the California Highways webpage at www.cahighways.org. I'm Tom Fear. I'm one of four admins on GribbleNation.org. Typically, I'm the one writing about the southwest part of the United States, in particular, California. This is episode 2.05, Route 1, Monterey, Santa Cruz, and the Santa Cruz coastline. So far this season, we've been exploring California highways route by route with Route 1. We've discussed the first federal road, which ran between Cumberland, Maryland, and the Ohio River, which is now U.S. 40. We had the exploration of what Route 1 is in other states. We talked about the first state highway, the Lake Tahoe Wagon Road, which became US 50. We talked about the first legislative route, LRN 1, which is now US 101 from San Francisco to Crescent City. We discussed Sign Route 1, which is now Route 1 between north of Gaviota to US 101 near Fortuna. We saw that 1964 lengthened Route 1 with the addition of former Sign Route 3, which was also former US 101A Legislative Route 60 from San Juan Capistrano to Ventura. We then discussed the history of Route 1 working from the southern end. We started in Orange County and have gone through Los Angeles, Ventura, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, and the Big Sur portion of Monterey County. For each, we've discussed the history within various cities, the plans for freeway routings, the names used for the highway, and plans and projects along the highway. As a reminder, our discussions build upon the background we built in the first season of the podcast, where we discussed the history of the system, which serves to explain the errors of state highways and what we mean when we talk about legislative route numbers. The numbering approach to state highways, which explains how the route numbers were chosen and why, the names of the state highways and how they were chosen, the organizations involved in the state highway system. If you want to catch up on any past episode, we encourage you to go to our Spotify for Podcasters home at anchor.fm forward slash CA route by route or our forever home at CA route by route.org and listen to our backlog of episodes. In this episode, we're going to continue our exploration of Route 1 going in post mile order from south to north. Our focus today is on Route 1 north of Big Sur in Monterey County in Santa Cruz and in the coastline portions of San Mateo County up to the northern edge of the Tom Lantos Tunnels, the old double slide area, Montaro, Pacifica, that area. As always, we'll cover interesting history along the route, proposals for freeways, the stories behind some of the names on the route, and interesting projects proposed for the route. This season, we'll have 10 episodes on Route 1, we're about halfway through, and two episodes on Route 2. The next episode is going to cover Route 1 in Pacifica and San Francisco, followed by an episode on the Golden Gate Bridge, which really isn't part of any state highway, but we figured we'd discuss it here. As a reminder about post-1964 Route 1, today's Route 1 has multiple segments. Segment A, Route 5, south of San Juan Capistrano to Route 101 near El Rio, except for a portion of Route 1 relinquished and Dana Point, Newport Beach, Santa Monica, and Oxnard. There is authorization to relinquish in Los Angeles, south of Santa Monica, and at one time in Torrance. Segment B, from Route 101 at Emma Wood State Beach, 1.3 miles north of Route 33 to Route 101, 2.8 miles south of the Ventura-Santa Barbara County line at Mobile Pier Undercrossing. Segment C, from Route 101 near Las Cruces to Route 101 in Pismo Beach by the vicinity of Lompoc, 
Vandenberg Air Force Base in Guadalupe, with authorization to relinquish in Pismo Beach. Segment D, from Route 101 in San Luis Obispo to Route 280 south of San Francisco along the coast via Cambria, St. Simeon, and Santa Cruz. And segments in San Francisco and north of the Golden Gate Bridge, which we will discuss later. This episode is focusing on Portion D of Big Sur in Monterey County, in Santa Cruz County, and south of Pacifica in San Mateo County. We'll cover the remainder of what is south of the Golden Gate Bridge in Episode 2.06. So how do these pieces fit together historically? Recall, Segment A, which is San Juan Capistrano to Oxnard, was US 101A, Sign Route 3, and Legislative Route 60. Segment B, the Ventura Beach portion, the old Rincon Highway, is a former segment of US 101 that has since been bypassed and was Legislative Route 2. Segment C, which runs from Las Cruces to Pismo Beach, was part of Original Sign Route 1 and Legislative Route 56. Some portions near Orcutt were Original LRN2, Legislative Route 2. Segment D, San Luis Obispo to San Francisco, was Original Sign Route 1 and was Legislative Route 50. Now, this segment between San Simeon and Carmel is the oldest segment of Legislative Route 56. In 1919, the route from San Simeon to Carmel was added to the state highway system. In 1921, it was extended southeast to Cambria. In 1931, it was extended further to San Luis Obispo and a connection with Legislative Route 2, US 101. Some routing in Cambria at that time was removed. There was a little bit of extra wording there. In 1933, there were more extensions. So a segment from US 101, Legislative Route 2 near Las Cruces, the Alampoc and Guadalupe, to Legislative Route 2, US 101 near Pismo Beach. Segment B from Legislative Route 56 near Carmel to Santa Cruz. Segment C from Santa Cruz to San Francisco via the coast. Segment D, the state highway near the southerly end of the Marin Peninsula to the Marin-Sonoma County line via the coast route, which is the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Segment E, from the Russian River near Jenna to Westport. And Segment F, from Ferndale to Legislative Route 1 near Fernbridge. If you recall, Legislative Route 1 in Northern California was US 101. All of this was codified as Legislative Route 56 in 1935. There have been a number of subsequent small changes to Legislative Route 56 until the major one, of course, when it went away in 1964. In 1943, there were some adjustments south of San Francisco due to rock slides that we'll cover in the next episode. In 1951, some gaps north of Marin were filled in. In 1955, there were some adjustments near Fernbridge and Leggett. In 1957, they deleted the reference to Carmel that said via Carmel, which usually meant that it became a bypass. And in 1959, they did something similar. They changed it to via the vicinity of Lompoc and Guadalupe because they were planning for some eventual urban bypasses in that area. Historical routings. The alignment north of Big Sur in Monterey County runs through Carmel, Monterey, the small cities of Seaside, and Marina, Castroville, and Moss Landing. In Santa Cruz County, the alignment runs through Watsonville, Aptos, Santa Cruz, and the Santa Cruz coastal areas just north of Swanton. And the portion of San Mateo County we're discussing, the alignment runs through Pescadero, San Gregorio, Half Moon Bay, and Montero. We're going to explore a few of these communities. So we're going to start with Carmel. Within Carmel, the original alignment of Route 1, 
Legislative Route 56 was along the same corridor the modern highway takes north near Hatton Canyon from Carmel Valley Road, which is now County Route G16, north to Carpenter Street. From Carpenter Street, the initial route of Legislative Route 56, Route 1, continued north atop the same right-of-way the modern freeway uses to Munras Avenue. Within Monterey, Route 1 continued into downtown Monterey on Abrego Street. Within downtown Monterey, the original route of Route 1 followed Abrego Street and turned onto Del Monte Avenue. Route 1 originally continued north on Del Monte Avenue through Seaside onward towards Marina. Within Marina, Route 1 followed Del Monte Boulevard. North of Marina, Route 1 followed Lapis Road towards Neponset in the Salinas River. Originally, Route 1 crossed the 1914 Nepenset Bridge, which was a truss structure next to the Southern Pacific Monterey Branch Railroad. By 1942, Route 1 shifted onto Fremont Street from Munras Avenue in downtown Monterey through Seaside. And I, I want to say we've both been in Monterey a lot. You can really see this when you're in Monterey. You have that underpass. I think it's on, I forget whether it's Del Monte or Fremont Street near downtown. Down, Sort of you move from the downtown business district out to the side closer to the um, post-grad school. Yeah, the, the post-grad school. When you think about it, the geography makes a lot of sense for Del Monte because that's where most of the development early on in modern times was because you had um, the post-grad school just for awareness used to be one of the hotels for the Pebble Beach golf course in 17 mile drive. Uh, The U.S. Navy bought it and developed what was at the time a very large post-grad school. But when that hotel was active for civilian use, you had a railroad that even stopped there along Del Monte where you can disembark and it would continue all the way down the Cannery Road. Everything in the city, even today, uh, is pretty much still centered around Del Monte. And Fremont Street, more or less, functions as a bypass of everything in Monterey. Um, And strangely enough, you can still use, if you're going south on Fremont, you can still kind of see how that would bridge. Because uh, the disconnected segments of Fremont Street basically run right into the freeway, and you could take one segment from to the other. Yeah, I, I remember that area well when I was going down there doing a lot of business at the time, and staying. I think it was over on Fremont and going into downtown for uh, dinner and stuff like that. Plus, it has some really strange business route signage on the northern segment of Fremont. They're like these weird unit signs that the city put together. They're only in Monterey. They don't go into Seaside. As we continue north, we come up to Castroville, which um, I always get confused. Castroville is the one that's known for the artichoke. Yep, Yep, that's Castroville. Originally, Route 1 northbound entered Castroville via Preston Road, where it turned left at Merritt Street. Sign Route 156, Legislative Route 22, westbound, entered Castroville by way of an at-grade crossing of the Southern Pacific Railroad from Castroville Boulevard onto Salinas Street. Route 156 made a right-hand turn on Merritt Street and met Route 1 at Preston Road. Now, why is Route 156 important? If you're coming down US 101 from the Bay Area, you typically cut across Route 156 to get down to Route 1 to go into Monterey. And so I when we were going there for business a lot, we would fly into the Bay Area and come down that way into Monterey. Route 183, Legislative Route 118, northbound, entered Castroville on Merritt Street and terminated at Route 156 at Salina Street. Former Route 1 on Preston Road, just west of Merritt Street, and crosses Templadera Slough on a bridge with an unknown build date. 
Former Route 1 on Preston Road continues west to the present split on the Route 1, Route 156 freeways. Is that bridge, I'm curious, part of the state highway system still or maintained by the state? No, it's definitely not. Um, I've never, it wasn't in the post my tool, but when you get up close to it, it's basically, it's used for very, very specific local access and probably, I, I wouldn't imagine it's going to survive like the next couple decades. I, I was curious whether it would be in the Caltrans breach lock. That I haven't checked. This is, um, Bridge Hunter didn't have it though. Watsonville and Aptos in Watsonville, Main Street and Salinas Road were part of the original Route 1 routings before the freeway bypass and new bridge over the Fajaro River were built. In Watsonville, Main Street and Salinas Road were the original Route 1 routings before the freeway bypass and the new bridge over the Pajaro River were built. Freedom Boulevard between Freedom and Aptos was the original Route 1 before the current bypass. Originally surface road, now a freeway, was proposed. During 1928, Santa Cruz County constructed a new bridge over Aptos Creek at Soquel Drive. During 1933, LRN 56 was extended north from Carmel to Fernbridge. The extension of LRN 56 brought it along the coast in Santa Cruz County, which aligned it directly through Aptos on Soquel Drive. The extension of LRN 56 through Aptos brought the 1928 Aptos Creek Bridge directly under Division of Highways Maintenance. And I like to point out this bridge because it's actually really pretty. It's a really, really pretty structure. In 1941, the state budgeted about $461,000 to build a new 7.74-mile highway from Watsonville to Rob Roy Junction in Aptos. This essentially bypassed Freedom Boulevard and several portions of the original highway. In 1944, the expansion of Route 1 to a four-lane divided highway between Santa Cruz and Aptos was added to a list of approved post-World War II projects by the California Highway Commission, or CHC as we like to say. In 1949, the new Santa Cruz Aptos Freeway alignment opened and spanned from Marissi Avenue in Santa Cruz to Rob Roy Junction, south of Aptos. The new highway cut through several ridges between Rio del Mar and Aptos Creek, and the route was graded down towards the approaches of the new bridge over Aptos Creek. Vast quantities of dirt were moved, and much of it was pushed onto the old highway and adjacent properties, which raised some of the properties as much as six feet. Also, Aptos used to have a famous mineral spring across the street from Loma Linda Apartments um, at 9012 Soquel Drive and down the bank uh, toward Valencia Creek. Spring dried up when the new highway was built and subsequently lost. This brings us into Santa Cruz. In May 1928, the Board of Supervisors of the San Francisco, San Mateo, and Santa Cruz County formed Joint Highway District 9, which had the sole purpose of constructing a public highway along the ocean shore between Santa Cruz and San Francisco under the provisions of the Joint Highway District Act of 1917. And a little digression here on this Joint Highway District Act, because you'll see Joint Highway District 9, Tom recently did a blog on, what was it, Route 117, which yep. I think talked about Joint Highway District 10. Back in the early days, Often cities and counties would go and form joint highway districts to fund construction of a highway they needed because the state wasn't quite doing it yet. And some of these districts lasted a long time. I mean, joint highway district 10 lasted into what, the 50s, the 60s? Yeah, uh, pretty much until the interstate system was ready to go and the, the confusion over where Interstate 280 was cleared up. So in this case, the highway 
along the coast from Santa Cruz up to San Francisco was from another joint highway district. And they were building a public highway along the shore between these communities. According to the records, the proceeds for formation of the district were initiated by Santa Cruz County by a resolution adopted in May 1927, which declared that the public interest required the construction of a public highway within the general location and course of which shall be commencing within the county of Santa Cruz at a point of connection with the main public highway already existing, which is Route 1, or would be Route 1, and extending northerly as closely as practical to the shoreline of the Pacific Ocean through the county of San Mateo and into the county of San Francisco at a suitable point connecting within that county. This route was called the Ocean Shore Highway, and in 1933, it became Legislative Route 56, and a year later was signed to sign Route 1. The original estimated cost of $5.5 million to build the highway was divided between the counties proportionally. So San Francisco bore 55% of the cost, San Mateo 30%, and Santa Cruz 15%, although that was later adjusted to be San Mateo 33 and two-thirds percent, and Santa Cruz 13 and one-third percent. As of 1955, 53.7 miles of the Ocean Shore Highway had been constructed with about 14.7 miles remaining to be improved. Construction contracts had been awarded for the 1.5-mile segment from just north of Finney Creek to one mile north of New Year's Creek. The district remained in operation at least through 1955. Within Santa Cruz, the original alignment through downtown followed Socrow Avenue, Water Street, and Mission Street. After the opening of the initial freeway segment, the new alignment of Route 1 followed Morrissey Boulevard to Water Street. Along the Santa Cruz coastline, by the late 1930s, new alignments were in the works for segments originating a half mile from Davenport, 8.2 miles north of the San Mateo County line. By the end of 1939, a new alignment of Route 1 from Davenport north to Waddell Creek near the Mateo County line was opened and eliminated 133 curves, replaced Old Coast Road, Cement Plant Road, Davenport's Landing Road, and Swanton Road, and bypassed the community of Swanton. By 1940, planning was in progress for a realignment of Route 1 around Pescadero and San Gregorio. This alignment opened in 1941 and began at Lake Lucerne and eliminated 214 curves northward bypassing San Gregorio. In the process, it eliminated the routings along Bean Hollow Road, Pescadero Creek Road, and Stage Road from the state highway system. Modern Route 1 follows the coastline south passing Bean Hollow State Beach. The original alignment of Route 1 continues south on Stage Road to Pescadero and used Pescadero Creek Road in addition to Bean Hollow Road to meet the modern highway. The original alignment from Half Moon Bay south to Bean Hollow State Beach appears to have been replaced by the modern alignment along the coast sometime between 1940 and 1942. Now we come up to Half Moon Bay. South of Half Moon Bay, Route 1 approaches Parisima Creek and Route 84 at San Gregorio Road. The original alignment of Route 1 was more inland along Verde Road and Stage Road. And I'll note here with Route 84, this is the same Route 84 that goes across the mountains and eventually works its way out into the Livermore area. So it's a long route. Main Street and Half Moon Bay is old Route 1. This was supplanted in the mid-50s by the Half Moon Bay Bypass. Now we come up to probably the more, most interesting spot in this segment, which is the community of Montara and the Tom Lantos Tunnel. Montara is notable uh, due to it being home to what is known as Devil's Slide. 
The original alignment of Route 1 between 1915 and 1935 prior to the Devil's Slide alignment between Montera and Pacifica was over what is known as Pedro Mount Road, or what was known. Old Pedro Mount Road, then known as Coastside Highway, was a replacement for the Half Moon Bay Colma Road. Coastside Road traversed Montero Mountain via the 922-foot-high saddle pass via a modernized asphalted roadway with a gentle 5% average grade that made it easier for the average car to traverse compared to the Half Moon Bay Colma Road. This route was added to the state highway system with the extension of LRN 56 in 1933. Old Pedro Mountain Road is now a fire road and bike trail with Montero State Beach. And it's actually a really nice trail. I've actually hiked it before. Route 1 in 1935 approached Old Pedro Mountain Road through Farlone City and Montero via Farlone Boulevard, 4th Street, Audubon Avenue, George Street, and Elm Street, and Interway Rockaway Beach on what is now Higgins Way. By 1937, work had started on a Devil's Slide routing, which was 5.903 miles in length compared to the 10.618 miles on the existing grade of Old Pedro Mount Road. Devil's Slide also had 13,821 feet less in curvature and 1,174 feet less elevation compared to Old Pedro Mount Road. Old Pedro Mount Road now exists as a hiking and mountain bike trail within the McNee Ranch Annex of Montero State Beach. I want to say this is like one of the first major asphalted roads in California, too. Like, it was paved very, very early on. Most of the major highways, and this was not a state highway project, were usually done with Portland cement at the time. So you've hiked that road. What's it like to go along that road nowadays? It's it's pretty weathered. Near the top near Saddle Pass, there is a lot of rockfall and a lot of washouts. Uh, you would not be able to get a car along the asphalt portions at the top of Saddle Pass, but you can definitely get a bike. Uh, it's a pretty nice hike, and you have some really fantastic views uh, as you're getting up towards the top of Sandal Pass, looking back towards Montero. Um, what's interesting is the Colma Road, you can actually see the grade of it on the mountainside is almost right atop where the Tom Lantos tunnels are now. I found a couple photos of what that used to look like. Apparently it had grades like uh, like near 40%, um, so like it was just not built for cars. <laughs> If you were to compare the condition of old Pedro Mountain Road now with, say, the old Ridge Route segment that the Ridge Route Preservation Organization is maintaining, how would they compare? They're about the same. I'm actually a little bit surprised the asphalt has held up as well as it has, because that typically tends to degrade and erode a lot faster than Portland cement, uh, especially the first through third, third highway Bondack era Portland cement did. But the terrain tends to, in my observation, drain more naturally than the ridge route does. The Devil's Slide, which opened on November 11th, 1937, is the second alignment of Route 1 between Pacifica and Montera in San Mateo County, while the Tom Lantis Tunnels is the third alignment. The Devil's Slide refers to a promontory region between Pacifica and Half Moon Bay, which is part of the Montera Mountain subrange of the Santa Cruz Mountains. Devil's Slide, in particular, has natural slopes approaching 50% in places, which makes the area particularly landslide-prone. Most historic transportation access prior to the 20th century sought to avoid Devil's Slide, and it wasn't until 1905 when the Ocean Shore Railway started building a line to the area. 
1935, construction of the new alignment of Route 1 began at Devil's Slide and was completed by 1936. Devil's Slide section of Route 1 was one of the historically most infamous along the entire highway, the first major closure coming during 1940 due to a rock slide. The Devil's Slide area Route 1 closed due to slides for two years in 1995 and had a six-month closure in 2006 due to an eroding road deck. Eventually, Route 1 was realigned through the Tom Lantis tunnels, which were under construction from 2005 through to 2013. Both tunnels are about 4,000 feet in length and carry one direction of travel each. So one is northbound, one is southbound. In 2014, the former grade of Route 1 was converted into a 1.3-mile trail, known as a double slide trail, which has dual trailheads at both ends of the Tom Lantis tunnels. And we'll go into the tunnels in a minute, but I recall that there's a connection between the two tunnels to allow emergency access. I think it's interesting to note how they were able to bypass the slide problems in this area with a tunnel, whereas a tunnel is not possible, really, through the whole Big Sur slide area, just because of the different nature of how the mountains are constructed. Yeah, I want to say it's, um, what the hell is it called, a mud rock down in Big Sur mostly? Yeah, this is much more stable rock up in this area. Yeah, and that would also explain, like, around Lionkilt State Park, why you see things like rock sheds being constructed as opposed to tunnels. The construction of the tunnels started planning in 2004 when there were legislative changes made to start the groundwork to do these tunnels. In September 2004, Senate Bill 792 required the Department of Transportation to sell and transfer certain property under its control in the county of San Mateo as surplus state property to the Department of Parks and Recreation for state park purposes. The original plans were for a four and a half mile freeway bypass to the east that would have cut McNee Ranch State Park in half. And activists feared that would open the coast to more aggressive development. After Caltrans determined that a freeway bypass over Montara Mountain was not currently viable, the properly located in the bypass right-of-way for the realignment of Route 1 from the northern boundary of the town of Montara past the alignment summit over Montara Mountain became surplus state property. This bill relinquished that property in order to add it to the McNee Ranch acquisition area. That transfer removed the last hurdle for the Department of Transportation which had been trying since the 1950s to create a bypass for that slide-prone section of Route 1. In 2006, planning began for the $270 million project to build the tunnel. According to the Half Moon Bay Review in 2006, the first bids came in over $32 million from the original Caltrans estimate. Caltrans had pegged the price of the tunnel at $240 million, estimating construction time at about five years. The low bid came in at $272.4 million, with construction expected to take 1,500 calendar days, which is, I, I, I can't quite do the math in my head on that, but it, it's more than five years because you cut out weekends and you cut out holidays and all that other stuff. A second bid from a different company came in $50 million more than that lower bid, and added an additional year to complete the work. The tunnels bypassed the Devil Slide area by an inland route through Montara Mountain. The boring began in September 2007. The tunnels connected to some very graceful bridges that spanned a canyon. They were built in stable rock far from the cliffs that were what was sliding into the sea. The bridge construction spared some wetlands in the area. The stretch of Route 1, which many considered to be haunted, was turned into a 1.2-mile recreation area. 
The original estimate was that they would be completed in 2011. I think they were finally completed in 2015. And the final cost would be $325 million. That, of course, increased. I've been listening to a really good podcast from GBH of Boston on the big dig in Boston. And there, they just sort of refused to acknowledge cost increases. And it really increased. It almost doubled in cost. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I really recommend it. You begin to see all the troubles that go into a major, major highway project, and that was a major project. In July 2011, the completion date was pushed back to 2012, more than a year later than when it was estimated when they started construction back in 2007. Why? The variability of the rock and the convergence or movement of the swell delayed the project. And this goes to show why many projects take longer than you thought. You think you know what's in the ground, but you don't actually know what's there till you start digging. And at that point, it's just change orders till you fix it. That that was also true on the big dig. They would discover wooden pipes that were there from the founding of Boston that weren't on any maps and they had to work their way around. Every time they ran into a new type of rock, while doing the digging for the tunnels, they would have to dismantle the equipment, get the right equipment, put it in. So adds a lot to the construction. In February 2012, it was reported that the concrete roadways into the tunnel had been completed. The concrete roadways under construction inside the bores are a little more than 21 feet wide and sit between two emergency walkways. Workers were putting five inches of concrete atop a one-inch layer of asphalt that sits atop another five inches of concrete placed atop a crushed rock base. Each tunnel will accommodate a single lane of traffic, 12 feet wide, with a eight-foot shoulder on the right and a two-foot shoulder on the left. Eight-foot shoulder will serve double duty as a place for stalled cars to pull off the road, as well as for bicyclists to pedal through the tunnel. Most bike riders, however, will probably choose to pedal along the current stretch of highway, which will become a bike trail and park, offering spectacular cliff-top views of the Pacific Ocean. In November 2012, it was reported that opening the tunnels had been delayed until early 2013. The extension is related to safety and electronics testing, including the ventilation system, cameras monitoring activity inside the tunnels. Once those are complete, Caltrans must finish the road connections between Route 1 and the tunnels. Have you ridden your bike along that stretch? I haven't, but I've run Devil's Slide many, 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 many times. I thought about trying to run one of the tunnels, but my wife was not really keen on doing that. In March 2013, the Devil's Slide tunnels opened. In July 2013, information was provided on the fate of the former Route 1 roadbed bypass by the tunnels. The county will operate the Devil's Slide Trail, which will run 1.3 miles between the parking lots Caltrans has constructed near the northern and southern portals to a bear of bypass tunnels that opened in March. The county plans call for the trail to be 20, about 24 feet wide with two six-foot bicycle lanes to the east and a 12-foot walking path close to the cliff, cliff's edge. County envisions building two scenic overlooks, each with coin-operated spotting scopes and benches, as well as restrooms and drinking fountains. The trail will be fenced on either side, mostly with three concrete barriers known as K-rails, according to the plan. County may paint the barriers an earth tone to blend in with the scenery. The overlooks will be surrounded by metal guardrails strung with cables. The county has budgeted nearly $2 million to prepare the trail. Work will begin, and the county takes over the roadway in August 2013. A question. That was 10 years ago. 
Yes. Have there been any slides that have impacted these bike and pedestrian trails since then? Not to my knowledge, because um, every time I go out there and visit it, I can't really find a lot of evidence for this. They have fencing to catch like minor rock slides, so that is present, but it's pretty well-maintained. I don't know if like a roadway going through there had some more significant factoring that would cause that, but it seems like it's fairly stable compared to what it used to be or ha- had been like when Route 1 was closing for like several years in a row. I wonder why that is. I wonder whether there are maybe less vibrations from trucks in that area. I don't know. It's, it's sort of interesting. Especially I'm assuming the, that's what it is. Because, it, like, you consider there's a, there was a lot of freight vehicles that went through there because um, really that was one of two ways to get to Half Moon Bay for freight vehicles. The other one's Route 192, and a lot of the, the freight preferred Route 1. Yeah, you would have thought there might have been some slides with the heavy rains of last winter. Yeah. We now turn to where did they plan to build freeways in this area? Some were built, some weren't. And there were many freeway adoptions, especially through Carmel, Monterey, Castroville, and Santa Cruz. In 1953, it was reported that a three-and-a-half-mile section of Route 1 in Carmel had been adopted and declared to be a freeway. The routing extended from the Carmel River to the south city limits of Monterey following the existing highway, deviating at a few points to accommodate interchanges. That was built, as I recall. There were once plans to reroute the segment in Carmel itself across a new freeway in Hatton Canyon, which is Monterey Post Mile 72.91, which is where County Route G16 meets Route 1. This was for a realignment of Route 1 from Carmel Valley Road to the Pacific Grove Interchange of Route 1 and Route 68. Hatton Canyon is a scenic and environmentally sensitive area, which is undeveloped land, including one of the few genetically pure Monterey pine forests left in the world, with significant coastal habitat and recreation areas. Although they planned to build a freeway there, they later determined that a bypass in that area was not viable. As a result, Assembly Bill 434 in 2002 rescinded the route adoption for the realignment in Hatton Canyon, and it nullified the freeway agreement related to that realignment. The property was declared to be surplus state property, and the Department of Transportation was directed to sell its ownership interest in Hatton Canyon for the purpose of creating or adding to a state park. Are you familiar with that area, Tom? I am. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just not really anything that could be built without like destroying the terrain or landscape in that area. So like Hatton Canyon was, uh, was a pretty significant point of resistance. I think it shows this change of mindset that a lot of people don't understand or have not caught up with within transportation in California. We used to have the mindset in the 50s and 60s that we could build anywhere, we could build anything, and you would draw a line on a map and it would eventually be built. In the 70s, the environmental concerns have come in, and you saw resistance to that, and that's what killed things like Hatton Canyon. And then further today, we've changed our planning from reducing uh, delays on the road, which used to be the model of highways. You'd want to build a highway to reduce delay time and reduce congestion, to now you want to reduce vehicle miles traveled to reduce carbon impact. And that changes the whole calculus of where you build highways and how you build highways and when you have alternate transportation. And it's truly a sea change in planning. 
Continuing with freeway plans, in 1950, the CHC adopted a freeway routing for the relocation of a portion of Route 1 with the boundaries of Fort Ord, which is now Cal State University, Monterey Bay. The recommended route was 4.1 miles in length between the southern boundary of Fort Ord and 0.6 miles south of the northern boundary. The route follows the existing highway except through a section between Northco Avenue and north of Giggling Road. On this section, the recommended route runs on a direct northerly line east of the present highway, which swings westerly approximately parallel with the Southern Pacific Railroad track. The initial plans were to construct a four-lane freeway with provisions for a future expansion to six lanes. As of 2023, it does not appear that the pre-freeway road is still present. So this is, for, for those who don't have it in your head, the freeway routing along the beach in front of Fort Ord. And it replaced some roadway that has now, I think, since gone away. But that's what this is referring to. Fort Ord was, for those who don't know, a major military installation, specifically Army, which used to be present in the Monterey area. Uh, it's still around to an extent. It's really, really downsized. But typically, what you'll find with a lot of these freeway adoptions in the 50s and 60s, a lot of them were adopted to serve military installations. Had they torn down the old barracks at Fort Ord? I remember the last time I was in that area. You still have a lot of the old barracks just sitting there boarded up. Uh, the university uses them actually mostly to teach students how to refurbish buildings. Most of them are still present. Wow. Yeah. For those who don't know, this is one of the adaptive reuses of old military bases. And what was Fort Ord is now Cal State Monterey Bay. And I think there's a little, few other things on the old base area, but it's primarily Cal State Monterey Bay. Fort, Fort Ord National Monument is the other big piece to that. A lot of that covers where like the munition range was. Uh, some of that's been converted to hiking trails. Others, other parts of it are still off limited due to unexploded ordnance. Yeah, stay, stay on the path when you're in Fort Ord. Continuing with the freeway plans in this area, and there were a lot. Until the early 1980s, Route 1 entered Castroville from the south via Route 156 and then exited at the Diamond Interchange and continued northwest via Merritt. However, by the mid-1980s, the current Castroville bypass was constructed, and as a result, the old surface street routings became an extension of Route 156 along Merritt Street, and Merritt Street became part of Route 183. Back in the 1960s, Caltrans proposed creating a freeway bypass of Route 1 along the Mission Street Corridor in Santa Cruz. The Santa Cruz City Council endorsed a proposal that would have paralleled Mission Street on the north, cutting through some of the neighborhoods along the entire route. The nearby residents appealed this decision all the way to the Transportation Commission, which sided with the residents and chose their alternative of an alignment on the northern outskirts of town through the recently opened UC Santa Cruz. This is what is legislatively Route 100. Route 100 is not signed, but it is still on the books. However, UC Santa Cruz strongly objected to this new alignment, and eventually the entire bypass issue was dropped. Early UC Santa Cruz planners wanted to reroute Route 1 up through Pogonip, across the future campus, and down through Wilder Ranch to meet up with the coast west of town. And I don't think you'll ever see Route 100 constructed. Supposedly, there was at least one Route 100 post-mile paddle placed. Um, I've heard that story from a couple different sources. It's one of the off-ramps where 
Route 1 loops over itself and continues into Santa Cruz. One of those off-ramps apparently had a Route 100 post mile on it for several years. Well, if it's there, then it would, might show up in the GIS database. Possibly. I looked for it when I traveled up there a couple of times. I, I couldn't find it, so it's probably long gone by now. Yeah. Moving on to relinquishments. Most relinquishments have been minor type, which are called collateral segments, land acquired during construction that is no longer needed. One of the more interesting was in August 2013 when the CTC, California Transportation Commission, authorized relinquishments of the right-of-way in the county of San Mateo around Route 1 in the Devil's Slide area, consisting of superseded highway right-of-way. This was the old routing through Devil's Slide, which, of course, is the now the Devil's Slide Trail. So now let's talk about some of the projects in this area. And there are quite a few. One is called the Carmel River Floodplains Project. In June 2022, the Coastal Commission approved a project located along a quarter-mile portion of Route 1, just south of the Carmel River. The goal of this project was to restore the floodplain function via removing Route 1 roadbill fill, elevating Route 1 on a new bridge, opening up about a quarter mile of river levee, and restoring about 100 acres of the historic riparian corridor, creating a 23-acre agricultural preserve developing 2.5 miles of public access trails and managing the site moving forward to facilitate habitat, access, agricultural, and related resources. The recommendation notes that the hydrological connectivity to and across the stripe was restricted in the early 1930s after levees were constructed along the river and after Route 1 was constructed on an elevated roadbed across the site. Among other project activities, the profile would be restored by creating five notches in the southern river levee inland of Route 1, allowing flood waters to enter the eastern portion of the site, removing the Route 1 road fill and elevating Route 1 on a new 360-foot bridge, effectively reconnecting the south arm of the Carmel River Lagoon, seaward of the highway that was restored in 1997. And the basic notion here is that we've learned over time that floodplains and marshes and these damp areas are really important to preserving the land and preserving the ecology in an area. And this is just attempting to rework the highway to restore those areas. Part of the problem is that this highway was built on an earthen berm, a raised area that inhibits the water flow across the floodplain and created a barrier when it flooded. When they're done with construction, the roadway atop the new bridge would maintain the two-lane configuration of the current highway, but the width would be expanded to allow for wider roadway shoulders, going from four to eight feet shoulders, which gives you a class two bicycle lane as well as additional space for vehicles to exit the travel lanes when there's an emergency. These shoulders would transition to match the four foot wide shoulders at the end of each bridge. So you've got more space if there's an accident on the bridge and there's more space for bikers on the bridge. At the southern end of the structure, the roadway would also include a 12-foot-wide center left turn lane. This long-envisioned turn lane, previously required by Caltrans and Monterey County during construction of the Palo Corona Regional Park, would allow southbound traveling vehicles to safely decelerate and turn left across northbound traffic to enter the lot for the park. Continue on with projects. There's numerous projects in the Santa Cruz area that have been in the works since 2007. These include construction of auxiliary lanes on Route 1 from just west of Soquel Avenue to just east of Marissi Boulevard, replacing the La Fonda Avenue overcrossing and constructing roadway improvements. 
The delays have been due to funding problems. This resulted in the project being split into multiple phases. The smaller pieces include adding exit lanes between 41st Avenue and SoCal Drive and a bike and pedestrian-friendly bridge over Route 1 near Tanticleer Avenue. The hope is that this would be the first of several segments that together complete the original vision. By pursuing smaller pieces under the umbrella of a single environmental study, the RTC hopes to appease the Federal Highway Administration and move forward incrementally as funds become available. The original plan would add high-capacity vehicle lanes along a nine-mile length of Route 1 between Soquel Drive and San Andreas Road. It would add auxiliary lanes between exits as well as three new bike and pedestrian bridges over the freeway. So really kind of hitting home there that that is 1940s era freeway because it's really bad in traffic. By 2019, the recommended Tier 1 alternative, the Tier 1 corridor HOV lane alternative, would expand the existing four-lane highway into a six-lane facility by adding one HOV lane in each direction next to the median and auxiliary lanes on the outside in each direction. Expanding the highway from four lanes to six would be achieved by building new lanes in the existing freeway median and widening the freeway footprint in those locations where the median is not wide enough to fit the new lane. The Tier 1 corridor HOV lane alternative would modify or reconstruct all nine interchanges with the project limits, improve merging operations and ramp geometry. The Bay Avenue, Porter Street, and 41st Avenue interchanges would be modified to operate as one interchange with a frontage road to connect the two halves of the interchange. Where feasible, design deficiencies on the existing ramps would be corrected. Ramp metering and HOV bypass lanes and mixed flow lanes would be added to Route 1 on-ramps. When the project limits on-ramp transit stops would also be provided. Tier 1 corridor HOV lane alternative would include auxiliary lanes between Freedom Boulevard and Bay Avenue slash Porter Street and between 41st Avenue and Soquel Avenue slash Drive. In the short term, the recommended approach was the Tier 2 auxiliary lane alternative. This would add an aux lane between the northbound and southbound sides of Route 1 between the 41st Avenue and Soquel Avenue Drive interchanges. In addition, an ADA Act-compliant pedestrian and bicycle overcrossing would be constructed at Chancellor Avenue. The total roadway widening would be approximately 1.4 miles along Route 1. The pedestrian bicycle overcrossing at Chanticleer would connect to a new 360-foot long by 6-foot wide sidewalk on Chanticleer on the south side of Route 1. This sidewalk, located on the south side of Soquel Drive, would be separated by the street by a 4-foot wide park strip. In July 2022, the Santa Cruz Regional Transportation Commission and the CTC paused plans for this HOV lane after a court ruling ordered Caltrans to revise a report they had completed more than three years ago. And you'll see this project is still, in many ways, ongoing in a mess. In April of 2023, this year as we record it, but not for much longer, it was reported that this three-phase, $100 million multimodal corridor project has broken ground. They've started construction, but there are three phases, and the first phase is focusing on the pedestrian bridges and bus on shoulder lane. That phase goes from 41st Avenue to Soquel Drive and includes the bus on shoulder improvement, as well as the aux lanes to connect Soquel to 41st. It includes the bike and pedestrian bridge over Chanticleer. The addition of the bus lane on the shoulder is groundbreaking in its own right, as with it, 
Santa Cruz County becomes the only county in California to have a bus on shoulder lane on its highways, with hopes that it will help traffic congestion. There are two more phases planned to the project. Phase two is replacement of the Capitola Avenue overcrossing with more bike lanes. Phase three is more bus lanes from State Park to Freedom and an overcrossing along the highways along the rail line. Also in April 2023 was the start of the public review and comment period for the updated environmental impact report on this last phase of the project. Now, in December of 2023, it was reported that this third phase is still in the environmental review stage. There are still funding issues with this project. The RTC, the Regional Transportation Commission, plans to reapply for funding in 2025, but they're still holding public input events on the project as they work on the design. Another project is the Route 1 State Park to Bay Porter Auxiliary Lanes Project. The 2018 STIP allocated funding for this. These lanes would run from State Park Drive to Bay Avenue slash Porter Street. Project area includes a total of approximately 2.5 miles of auxiliary lanes on Route 1 between the prospective interchanges to be evaluated and constructed as a single project. This project would include reconstruction of Capitola Avenue overcrossing to accommodate auxiliary lanes and long-term vision of the Highway 1 corridor. The specific project will construct northbound and southbound auxiliary lanes between State Park Drive and Park Avenue interchanges between the Park Avenue and Bay slash Porter interchanges in Route 1 with retaining walls, sound walls, new drainage facilities, and rehabilitate freeway sections as needed and pavement overlay. The project also includes reconstruction of Capitola Avenue overcrossing to accommodate Future Vision Highway 1 corridor and to provide a wider sidewalk continuation of bike lanes and bridge lighting. In January 2023, the CTC approved allocations of about $72 million on this project, describing it was near Capitola and Aptos. Route 1 from State Park Drive to Bay slash Porter interchanges. Construction of auxiliary lanes between interchanges include reconstruction of Capitol Avenue, overcrossing to accommodate new lanes on Route 1 and improve bicycle and pedestrian facilities. Hybrid bus on shoulder auxiliary lane facility between Bay Avenue slash Porter Street and State Park Drive. This is a distance of 23 miles. Bicycle slash pedestrian overcrossing on Route 1 at Mar Vista Drive with a sidewalk, ADA ramps, and intersection improvements at the bridge approaches. Additional project elements at emergency pullouts, enforcement areas, sound walls, retaining walls, improved median barriers, lighting, overhead signs, traffic monitoring systems, drainage, and drought-tolerant landscaping. And hearing this, I'm almost thinking that a lot of what they're describing in this project is actually pieces of the previous project we described as well. So they they are sort of overlapping a bit. And I think about that when I hear about the Capitola Avenue overcrossing and some of the auxiliary lane areas. These all connect together. In October 23, it was reported there are two plans for improvement in Moss Beach. The plans include two primary alternatives. Alternative 1 has roundabouts in Cypress in California with a signal at 16th Street. There are two sub-options with a raised median and one without. Alternative 2 has signals in Cypress, California and 16th Street. The county has a project page, which we will link in the episode description. This is where folks can sign up for email updates on this project. Lastly, as I said, lots of projects. There are still plans to realign the connection in Santa Cruz where Route 1 meets Route 17. These go back to 2016, and the goal is to improve the intersection with Route 9. 
and I haven't seen a lot happening on these, but they're still on the books. Lastly, we turn to some naming in the area. The portion of Route 1 from Struve Road, Post Mile, Monterey 98.35 to the Bajaro River, Monterey R101.98, including the new Salinas Road overcrossing in the county of Monterey, is named the Senator Henry J. Mello Highway. This was named in honor of State Senator Henry Mello, who was raised in Watsonville, born in Watsonville. Mello was elected as the Santa Cruz County Supervisor in 1966, then to the Assembly in 1976, and to the Senate in 1980, and represented the counties of Santa Cruz and San Benito, as well as parts of the counties of Monterey and Santa Clara in the legislature until 1996. After leaving the Senate, Mello worked with the Department of Transportation to prioritize the construction of one of the most important projects within the state highway system, an overpass to improve traffic safety at the intersection of Route 1 and Salinas Road. This was named in 2014. Portion of Route 1 between Route 84 and Gregorio Road at San Mateo Post Mile 18.189 in Verde Road, Lobolitas Creek Road at Post Mile 22.662 is named the Ranger Patricia M. Scully Memorial Highway. Named in memory of California Parks and Recreation Service Ranger Patricia M. Scully, Ranger Scully joined the California Parks and Recreation Service in 1974, now named the Department of Parks and Recreation. In late 1974, she graduated from the Parks and Recreation Academy, the Mott Training Center in Elise Mar. After six weeks of training, she was one of two women among the 38 cadets in a class of 18. Her first assignment after graduation was to Big Basin State Park, where she received additional training. Ranger Scully's last assignment was a State Park Ranger 1 at Pescadero State Park in Half Moon Bay on the San Mateo Coast. When not working, she worked on a historical survey of Ano Nuevo State Beach. She was a nine-year veteran of the Department of Parks and Recreation at the time of her death. While on patrol at San Mateo Coast Beaches State Park, Half Moon Bay, Ranger Scully was killed by a drunk driver on May 6, 1976. She became the second female law enforcement officer to be killed in California. At the time of her death, Ranger Scully was working on a Master's of Science degree in Anthropology and Environmental Resources at Cal State University, Sacramento, completed all coursework, and only lacked a thesis. This was named in 2012. And lastly, the tunnels that replaced the Devil's Slide are named the Tom Lantos Tunnel, the Devil's Slide. And this was named in memory of Representative Tom Lantos, who was in the House of Representatives between 1981 and 2008, a long period. Lantos was born in Budapest, Hungary, in February 1928, and was 16 years old when the Nazis occupied his native country. He was a member of the anti-Nazi underground movement and was later part of the anti-communist student movement and is the only Holocaust survivor to ever serve in the United States Congress. An American by choice, he received a BA and MA in economics from the University of Washington and a PhD in economics from UC Berkeley. For three decades prior to being elected to Congress, he was a professor of economics at San Francisco State University, an international affairs analyst for public television, and a consultant to a number of Bay Area businesses, and served in a senior advisory role to many members of the U.S. Senate. Lantos obtained $150 million in federal funds for construction of a bypass of Route 1 at Devil's Slide and led the bipartisan congressional effort urging the president to declare that area eligible for federal disasters. This resulted in San Mateo County being eligible for FEMA public 
assistance programs that provided 75% reimbursement for repair or replacement of disaster-damaged public facilities. In other words, it was his work that basically got the funding to build the tunnels. In April 2007, Lantos successfully pushed for expedited federal small business loans to private for-profit coastal area businesses that had lost significant clientele due to the closure of Route 1. And he was a staunch advocate of the tunnel project option for Devil Slide Bypass, which prevented the construction of a destructive and environmentally damaging highway bypass over Montara Mountain, as we mentioned. This was the plan initially proposed by the Department of Transportation and supported by many people. This was named in 2008. Next time on California Highways Route by Route, we continue our exploration of Route 1 by looking at the remainder of the route in the San Francisco Peninsula itself, Pacifica and the routing in the city itself. And this discussion will touch on the original freeway plans for the city and how Route 1 fit into them. We'll leave the Golden Gate Bridge for its own episode, which will be episode 2.07. As always, for more information, visit the pages on Route 1, Route 68, Route 156, Route 17, Route 92, and Legislative Route 56 over on cahighways.org. There are a number of Gribble Nation blogs in this area. We will link to them in the show pages. Tom had a lot of fun exploring Old Pedro Mountain and wrote it up and that whole Devil Slide area. And we'll add some additional links, as always, on our show pages at caroutbyroute.org. As always, information on our episode is available on our website, caroutbyroute.org, where you can leave us comments on the episode. This episode is also available on our anchor.fm home, anchor.fm forward slash caroutbyroute. Join us as we continue to explore California highways route by route. This episode was written by Daniel Fagan and Tom Fear, edited and produced by Daniel Fagan. Our opening theme is I Like to Be by the Seaside by John H. Kind. If you have an opening theme you think might be good for our show and it's either in the public domain or you're willing to let us use for free, please contact me at daniel at caroutbyroute.org. Episodes are recorded using freeconferencecall.com. And this podcast, as always, is a product of California Highways at cahighways.org and Gribble Nation at gribblenation.org. Any closing thoughts on this segment of Route 1 and the highway? So this is kind of where, like, one really shows how diverse it really can be as a state highway or really just as a highway in general. Within the Monterey Bay metropolitan area, this is the major highway. It's a freeway for the most part. Um, What's really strange is um, Monterey Bay, the whole area there, is actually the largest metropolitan area in California that does not have a four-lane highway connecting to the rest of the state. Uh, that might change soon with 156, but it's really kind of strange how like one will pe- peter out into like kind of like just a two-lane road approaching Castroville, only to suddenly become really important again, like as soon as you get to Moss Landing in Watsonville and becomes a freeway again all the way into Santa Cruz. Uh, the San Francisco Peninsula in particular, I, I really enjoy. It's a really well-designed highway. Uh, I mean, Devil's Slide, it, it was kind of weird, but like considering what, you know, challenges exist in the 1930s, like really the planners did probably the best that they could. Um, but it's just a really well-designed, fun coastal route, uh, really not traveled all that much between Santa Cruz and Half Moon Bay. So if you're looking for a quiet coastal drive, it's really a solid pick. Uh, and there's a lot of good old highway alignments inland. Um, I really like the one that goes through Pescadero, Old Stage Road. Swanton Road's kind of got its old weird 
quirky parts to it because there's some a couple railroad sidings in there that have historic plaques. So there's lots to see, um, and just kind of highlights how part, how important some of this these segments are to these local communities. I'm less familiar with the segment north of Castroville um, because I haven't been in that area as much, but I do know the area around Monterey and Carmel quite well, and it's always just a nice area to drive and explore. And with that, we will end this episode, and if I get this done and edited, it will be out on New Year's Eve. So uh, both Tom and I would like to wish you a happy and healthy 2024, and if you're listening to this sometime after that, well, we hope it's continued to be happy and healthy. And with that, we'll see you next time on CA Route by Route. Thank you.